Chapter Fourteen of the Steel Hammer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Diana Beauvais. The Steel Hammer by Louis Albach. Translated by Elizabeth Warmly Latimer. Chapter Fourteen the judgment of god the next morning madame de monterey wanted to analyze her impressions of the day before she thought over in her own mind all that gaston had detailed to her and recalled how each answer to her questions had been made promptly and with full assurance by her husband his tone had been even more satisfactory than his words she had kept in one corner of her memory the name and address of the woman whom gaston professed to have visited with monsieur henri de arbois when her husband had been speaking and while she was still unconvinced she had said to herself and she had said aloud to him that she would see this woman and find out the truth of his story but when in the morning she asked herself if she really should have courage to make any such inquiry at her house she found her threat had been ridiculous under what pretext could she go there to find out if her husband had been deceiving her what could she say to excuse her visit and most likely the actress would decline to see her but i might find out if there really is such a person she said making a compromise with her curiosity but how would it help her if she did find out that such a street at such a number such a lady lived gaston would probably have given the name of a real woman and a real address and this would not prove even if she found his information so far correct that he had been to her house at three o'clock in the morning besides at the bottom of her heart madame de monterey shrank from any such inquiry the day before she had said to herself that she could be as brave as the wife of jean mortier but she dared not feel sure that she had the same faith in her husband she felt a repugnance to imitating the wife of the man arrested wishing to avoid all analogy between their two households she sent out and bought a paper there was more in it about the confrontation the day before and its consequences jean mortier it said was utterly despondent and made no more protestations of his innocence there could be no doubt that he was guilty his looks as well as a few despairing words that had escaped him amounted to the same thing as a confession the probable date of the trial was also given unless on the same night in the same way two exactly similar crimes had been committed madame de monterey would be forced to believe herself the dupe of her own fears and yielding to the evidence might give up all inquiry gabrielle decided that their journey must begin immediately the very next day her proneness to suspicion had perhaps she argued been a kind of insanity by change of air she might get out of that unwholesome atmosphere cure herself of that dreadful fever and get rid of the anguish that remained even though now she was satisfied as to the truth gaston that day was gentle and conciliating just as he had been the previous evening he was equally gay at breakfast time but gabrielle contrived to keep him within bounds and not to let him drink so much as the day before when they rose from the table she said she was going out shall i go with you said her husband gallantly if i were going out to take a walk i should be very glad of your company she said laughing but i am going to make a visit that generally you do not care to make i am going to see monsieur henrion will you tell me why 
oh not to ask him to take measures for a legal separation though i might make out a case against you after your confession but it is on the contrary to get the means for our keeping always with each other what do you mean i want him to get us letters of credit for switzerland and perhaps for italy shall we start at once to-morrow if we can manage it then you think nothing need keep us in paris i think we are as free as boys are in the holidays you did not think so last night i was wrong and besides you have made me jealous i don't want you to go back and see the fair lady who broke your cane gabrielle smiled gaston gave back the smile as rippling water reflects a light upon its waves you cruel woman he answered i thought you had quite forgiven me of course i have but absolution is never given without penance what i impose is that you must submit to my little jokes monsieur de monterey was very anxious to go with his wife he assured her that he had the greatest regard for monsieur Herion and owed him several visits was he afraid that gabrielle wanted to go out alone in order to visit the actress in question he fancied a sort of threat in the gaiety of her last words gabrielle persisted in refusing her husband's arm she went straight to monsieur Herion's. her arrangements to secure money for the journey were soon made monsieur Herion greatly approved of traveling he believed in gaston's reformation he had always looked forward to it he said with old-fashioned gallantry he had always known that the good angel at his fireside would end by conquering the demon of dice and cards incidentally and because gabrielle herself led the way to the subject they talked about the affair in the bois de boulogne but of course monsieur Herion had no suspicion could have none of the all-powerful interest that madame de monterey took in the story gabrielle was charmed and reassured exceedingly by this direct involuntary testimony to the innocence of her husband when oracles are wanted they can always be found and yet before she went home prompted by a resolve to put an end forever to all anxiety and to make it impossible that doubt should ever return madame de monterey was determined to take one final step to reassure herself completely a step solemn and decisive the result of which would be something that no future excited feelings ever could gainsay she hesitated between two visits she was not thinking of going to the address of that other woman that would have been a miserable way of giving ease to her own mind degrading alike to her husband and herself though it might prove gaston innocent it would leave a stain upon his wife but since she had madame jean mortier's address why might she not under a pretext of comforting her in her grief go and judge of the effect produced upon the upholsterer's wife by that terrible scene at the morgue as related in the papers in spite of herself gabrielle was always fancying herself in presence of the frail woman with her energetic looks and eager words who had given her so perfect an example of wifely faith courageous love and true heroism this wife this mother was a rival with whom she felt that she would like to measure herself once more she did not now dread her as an enemy and she hoped with all her heart that she never might be forced to act as hers monsieur Herion lived in the rue tranchette as she left his house and was passing the madeleine madame de monterey paused carriages blocked up the street she went up the steps into the church gabrielle was naturally inclined to piety though she had not the mystical faith of madame jean mortier 
Since her marriage, her life had been divided, as it were, into two equal parts, that is, between personal efforts to control her feelings and warm impulses of trust in God, in efforts to preserve her happiness and efforts to preserve her honor. This morning it was the turn for the spirit of piety. The Madeline is still the temple of glory and of victory. It never inspires or satisfies ideas of despondency. Nothing in the building seems to call upon its worshippers to seek for aid or comfort. Everything speaks of strength to be increased and deeds of courage done. The long white flight of steps that leads up to the church seems to symbolize a triumphant ascension. Within, all speaks of earthly hope and the marble apotheosis of the great saint who had once been the sinner who loved much is not calculated to impair this human feeling the marble the gilding and the paintings give no hint of poverty but rather show forth the power of riches applied to the service of god in some old dark damp church gabrielle might perhaps have fallen back into her fears or if we may not call them fears at least into mistrust in spite of reason in spite of appearances but the magnificent church revived her drooping confidence the altar was dressed with flowers a rich wedding was going on the bride and bridegroom kneeling upon velvet at the feet of the glorified and repentant magdalene were awaiting the benediction about to be pronounced over the union of two fortunes and two risks for happiness the organ was swelling forth magnificently the wedding march it had been in that very church with the same pomp before the same artificial flowers before the same marble image of the repentant magdalene to the strains of the same music to the murmur of the same words in which the priest proclaimed the duties of husband and wife that gabrielle had herself been married she now watched as a spectator the ceremony she had not seen when she herself was its heroine and as she went over all its details she felt in them a strange charm when she had knelt there trembling at the sound of the same organ eight years before she had with a beating heart vowed before god that she would be a devoted wife her husband's guardian angel she renewed that vow that day as christians renew their vows of baptism she repeated to herself with a conviction which was somewhat like a self-righteous pride that she had kept her vow that she would always keep it that she was strong enough to continue what was already begun she waited until the mass was over to see the marriage procession pass out of the church to read the face of the young bride to see if she had prayed as she herself had done to exhort her by an encouraging smile to be a self-denying wife to gain from the smile of this happy new-made wife fresh strength for herself and fresh illusions the married pair were perfectly commonplace they were parisians of no high social standing gabrielle thought them noble in their confidence in the future and in their acceptance of its duties for she wanted to see in them a reflection of herself she trod on the rich red velvet carpet behind the procession and went down the marble steps as if she had been an invited guest one of the friends of these young people whose very name she did not care to know she followed the wedding party out of the church she saw it drive off and then suddenly stopping at a passing carriage she made a choice between the two visits she had had upon her mind she did not drive to the bois de boulogne but in a low sweet voice to the great amazement of her driver she said to the morgue madame de monterey now felt herself strong enough to venture for her own sake and her husband's 
whom she associated with herself on braving that ordeal that judgment of god which she had scorned only yesterday and yet which came back into her thoughts a piece of superstition yes she wanted to stand beside the murdered man as if before a judgment seat she would enter that horrible place about which she knew nothing but where the dead seemed to have power over the living and as she drove toward it she kept saying to herself substituting herself for gaston i shall not faint when i look upon him if i bear it without flinching it will prove that we are innocent the people who frequent the morgue and those led there by curiosity were very much astonished to see a lady elegantly dressed get out of a carriage she seemed agitated by none of the feelings of a mother a daughter a wife or a sweetheart the women who came there usually seeking husband or parent a child or a lover this lady gently politely and composedly asked the sergeant de ville who was on duty if it was through that great door she was to go in he drew back with a respect that was neither pity nor sympathy but a sort of grave astonishment when she reached the great glass partition behind which are shown those who have made shipwreck of their lives gabrielle for a moment felt a horror a great dread which prevented her from seeing anything it was an awful thing to stand before those spectral forms exposed for recognition two men lay there stretched out at full length between a woman and a child by degrees madame de monterey grew used to the sight and could let her gaze rest steadily upon it she did not think she saw the man whom she had come to find none of these four had any wounds upon the head one was an old man greatly emaciated a mere skeleton wasted by poverty they must have found him in some back street dead of hunger the other was young and his jaws seemed to have stiffened as if in death he had fiercely uttered a blasphemous word he had probably been drawn out of the seine these two poor creatures were the victims of that great anonymous homicide who is never brought to justice could they have already buried or carried away pierre mortier gabrielle felt an almost bitter disappointment as if the law had been unjust to her and refusing her the confrontation that she came to find she asked for the keeper of the place he referred her to the actuary who told her that the public exhibition of the victim having no longer any object since the confrontation with the prisoner had taken place pierre mortier's remains had been placed in the side room where they were waiting for the legal post-mortem examination so that i cannot see him asked madame de monterey with a little shudder it is against the rules madame but the post-mortem is not yet begun then monsieur let me go in i have no orders you understand that it is impossible i should gratify mere curiosity oh i assure you monsieur my motive is not curiosity is madame a relation has she come to claim the body no i am not any relation but i am greatly interested in the wife of the man accused of killing him i have come here in the interest of justice what harm can it do the prosecution to let me see him i could have seen him here two days ago if i had come i assure you monsieur i have very serious reasons then i'm sorry madame that you did not apply to the juge d'instruction this objection made gabrielle tremble what reasons for this step could she have given to the juge d'instruction footnote the juge d'instruction is the legal officer who in france gets up the case for the prosecution translator end of footnote 
would he have been satisfied with anything vague she saw that her curiosity might appear strange almost the result of a depraved taste if she did not more clearly explain herself she did as many people do when pushed too hard in argument she took refuge in the power of her own name she told the man who she was adding that of course that was no reason for admitting her but that he might well suppose that a lady in her social position would not have come there to gratify useless curiosity she was risking a good deal in saying this and she could go no further the man at the morgue had not often visitors of that description he had done his duty as a public officer as a man he might feel himself at liberty to grant something to a pretty woman for gallantry may be found in very queer places executioners have been known to make it a point of honor to treat with great politeness women of distinction on the scaffold the actuary i dare not call him a director for he directs nothing introduced gabrielle into a side-room less solemn but not less horrible than the great hall and showing her a corpse stretched out upon a table no longer behind glass but face to face with her and in the same atmosphere said this is it madame and bowed madame de monterey pale but firm drew as near to the table as possible she had an intrepidity of which she never would have believed herself capable clasping her hands which hung down before her she looked steadily at the corpse naked and horrible just passing into the first stages of decomposition she seemed to say to it you shall not frighten me she looked at it with no feeling of compassion but rather with anger for three minutes there was a sort of silent challenge between this young wife who forced herself to gaze on this revolting object hideous even in life when the great veins were blue more hideous in death when the veins showed under the skin which seemed covered with a network of black snakes a coarse rough man threatening her as he lay there in his horror after a general examination gabrielle bent over his head are these the wounds made by the hammer she asked the actuary yes madame an upholsterer's hammer replied the man with another bow little did he think he was making himself the ally of gabrielle the defender of her husband madame de monterey eagerly examined the size of the wounds and in her thoughts compared them with the little hammer on the cane that had disappeared in the ashes she knew its size exactly probably it would have fitted as nearly as the upholsterer's hammer had done the fracture in the skull and the great bloody bruises which proved that he had been murdered but gabrielle when she felt herself not inclined to faint like jean mortier when no revulsion of her whole being took place when she kept her self-possession in presence of that dreadful corpse that cried for vengeance said to herself that now she was certain her husband was not guilty nor could he be since she his other self had not been terrified like jean mortier since nothing had made her shudder and the corpse had only roused in her the instinctive repugnance which such a sight must give to any woman yes she had gone through the ordeal she had sustained the judgment of god she believed in that old test with her whole soul she had borne it without shrinking it proved her husband innocent and all it could do now was to condemn her to deep repentance for her own base suspicions with what fervency she thanked god for having so visibly made known the truth to her alas we so easily believe in the hand of providence when all is in our favor thank you monsieur she said to the actuary 
she left behind an offering for those poor creatures who might come to reclaim the bodies of friends who had been driven to suicide by poverty and this gift disposed of any remaining scruples on the part of the functionary who had allowed her to have this terrible silent interview with the dead pale but perfect mistress of herself though solemnized as we must all be when we leave the presence of death she left the hall and passed out of the morgue with the dignity of a priestess once outside she lightened her bosom by a long deep sigh which floated up to heaven like an offering of thanksgiving and then she got into her carriage with singular excitement in her veins when she got home she ran and kissed her husband with a transport of renewed or possibly new love i have my money she said gaily we shall have enough for a delightful journey and let us start to-morrow chapter fourteen recording by diana beauvais